morning and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Thank you for my cold water, Jake. You haven't lived until you get ready to preach in front of, you know, several hundred people and you go and take a swig of two-week-old water. And especially if you're in somebody else's house and you're trying not to let them see. And then when it's got lipstick on the glass, that really helps. So. John 8, beginning with verse 31. Then said who? Jesus. To the Jews which believed on him, if, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? And Jesus answered and said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin or has the pattern of sin in their life is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you will be free indeed. Now this is not just free from the permanence and penalty of sin. It's not just free from God's judgment and wrath. Freedom cannot be limited to that alone. It's freedom in life, freedom in thought, freedom in mobility. The American Heritage Dictionary defines free as to be no longer confined or imprisoned, not under the control of anyone or anything. Now bondage, on the other hand, is something you do that violates the Word of God, something that harms you or harms another person. Something you do automatically without thinking about it. Something you want to stop, but you've never had the courage, the character, or capacity to do it. There are many tragedies and sad things in life, but there's a special place when you see a picture of, of a caged lion or a, a caged bird. When you see a Samson laying in the lap of Delilah with his head shaved. And when you see a Christian that's not free, that's, that's a, a, an oxymoron. It's a paradox. How can someone who's been redeemed, called out of darkness into the marvelous light, given a new heart, a new spirit, God's eternal spirit, he sets them free and to see them bound to anything is a tragedy. I have a direct message this morning uh, for you as your pastor. And I want to ask you a question. Are you completely free? That does not mean without issues. How many understand until you get to heaven, we're going to have a few of those. Yeah. But free. Free to walk away. Free to walk out of. Free to walk into, not bound by anything. And the only thing that makes you jump is the voice of His Spirit, what Mark says. I want to speak to you about freedom. And may the light of God's Word go to those places maybe we just aren't dealing with. And understand that it's as easy 
as getting up. Father, I love you today with my heart I do. I'm grateful for all you've done for me. When Lauren says to think about all you've done for me, my first thought, God, I can't. I'd be here for weeks and weeks and weeks flipping legal pads over about the undeserved blessings. But there's a special part this morning, Lord, that I, I want to see myself more clearly. And while I'm preaching, preach to my soul, O oh Lord. I don't want to be someone that names the name of Jesus and walk around bound. I just don't want to be that person. I want to have a light spirit that's free to worship and free to laugh and free to move and free to change and free to relocate. Just freedom. And not let us deceive ourselves into thinking that if we could be in one place doing the same thing and making the same excuses that we're free. I just pray you would change us today and let the light of your word shine on our heart. After all, if the Son has set us free, shouldn't we be free indeed? And I thank you for that anointing this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to give you four things this morning. You're not going to be completely free until... These four things. Number one, until you know and believe the truth. The Bible says, and you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. This is not just a uh, superficial statement. Who is the truth? And you shall know the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. The truth. Not a truth. The truth and the life. So if I know Jesus, the truth then I must also know the truth of his word. And you need to know the truth about yourself, your adversary, the spirit of this age, and the Savior. That we, before we were saved, and afterwards, are powerless except for the divine nature and God's spirit which he's put inside of us. Powerless to save myself. Powerless to forgive myself. Powerless to free myself. But in the Spirit, and by the Spirit of God that beats in my chest now, by that, by that power, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, quickens us now. See, it's not as much effort, and we'll get to the effort part in a moment. It's not as much effort as it is revelation. You've got to stop being unbelieving. And believe the word of God. It's like the person that was born again. And they know they were. But they, they're fearful about their salvation. Later on they're fearful. I just I don't know if I'm saved. And this is something that others can't do for you. And God won't do for you. You've got to quit that. And you've got to believe what is written in the word of God as it pertains to salvation. What takes away guilt and fear of judgment is faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when I read that whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord, which means they exclusively look to him, separate from their own efforts, and they look to God for mercy, he forgives them because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. When I read that when Jesus hung and died on the cross and said, uh, it is finished, nothing else to add, it's done. And whosoever believes in him shall never perish, but have everlasting life. I walk 
past, watch, freedom, liberty, passed out of all feelings of insufficiency, insecurity, and wondering about what it should feel like to be saved. And I declare plainly, based on the Word of God, that I am redeemed. I am saved, I am forgiven, and I am secure. Not on works, lest any man should boast. How can we know that on salvation and not know that about freedom in our lives? If the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. See, what's missing is revelation. I am free not because I'm choosing it. I am free because He provided it. And I step out in that with all of my weakness and all of my issues. And I enter into freedom because it's provided for. And what's missing is we try to do through effort what we ought to be doing through faith. If the Son made me free, then I'm what? Free. Indeed. So where does the bondage come in? Unbelief. Ignorance. Arrogance. Rebellion. Compromise. But unbelief is the first one. We need to know the truth. Surrender to the truth. Obey the truth. Abide in the truth. Love the truth. And champion the truth. 2 Corinthians 5.1 If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have what? Passed away. And all things are made new. That doesn't mean that you don't still remain a person. It doesn't mean you still don't have propensities and leanings and lusts. It means that the old things that have passed away was your bondage to sin and death. It is gone. For the law of the spirit of life has made you free from the law of sin and death. Not effort, revelation. How can you walk out of who you were, what you did, how you did it, how often you did it? Faith in the Son of God. And when I believe in the Son of God, I appropriate that which has already been provided. I'm not creating it by my faith. I'm appropriating it. How do I know that I have eternal life? I believe. And his word is true. How can I be free? I believe. And you walk, listen, your pastor's caught a lot of flack over the years when I talk about these things. And listen, I, I'm grateful for any help, uh, counseling. Uh, I've been to counseling. I've given counseling. I thank you for support groups and all the other. But listen to me carefully. I will preach it till I go home. If you have his word in your lap, that's all you need to come out. That's it. He made me free. The devil said, where are you going? I'm, I, I'm leaving. I don't have to give you two-week notice. I don't have to explain. Our problem is we see our chains and our history more clearly than we see the word of God. If the son made me free, then I'm free indeed. You, you probably know this, but uh, early on uh, in, the, in the age of the traveling circus, and they still do this now, to train an elephant, they will take that little baby elephant and they'll nail this stake in the ground with a chain shackle tied to its leg and it can't lift. It's a deep, deep chain. He can't lift it and he learns that he can't lift it. Now as he gets older, he could flip over a semi-truck if he wanted to. 
but he's already ingrained in his mind that he can't pull that leg up. And you'll see this huge elephant attached to a very small chain with a little thing around his leg attached to a wooden stake in the ground. And he just stands there. Because he doesn't know that that which is in him is greater than that which is in the ground. And all the devil can do with you is smoke and mirrors. You, your mama was like that. Your grandma was like that. Your great-grandmother was like that. It runs in the family. It runs in your blood. What about the new blood? What about the blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins? What about the life? If my daddy can give me earthly life, what can my heavenly father give me? What about this new life? What about this new power? What about this new strength? We walk around Christians who make excuses all the time, and then we start making excuses, and we're telling an unbeliever about a God that can do everything while our chains rattle behind us. Quit. Come out. Believe. There is no true, lasting freedom that does not originate in the person and is sustained by the power of Jesus Christ. I'm not speaking of effort. I'll get to that in a moment and the part you play. If you believe, you come out. I've used this illustration over the years, but I remember it so clearly. I've been a believer about two years, two or three years. How far back was that? Well, there weren't cell phones, I tell you that. It's a long time ago. I remember taking our kids to Six Flags, and every youth pastor ought to have to take kids to Six Flags. And I was there, and I noticed this youth group, a bunch of kids. They'd all wore the same color shirt. I didn't have the wisdom to do that until. And they all were, you know, grouped together. And I just saw them everywhere, and they were high-fiving. I went, man, what a youth group. That's just amazing. And I saw these kids. I said, where are y'all from? And they told me, what church do you belong to? That's right here, man. Look. So, and they read it to me. Hey, is that your, where's your youth pastor? I said, oh, he's over here. Now, this is not a soapbox sermon on cigarettes, so don't, don't write me about your special habit and that's different for you than everyone else. Uh, anyway, I said, that's your youth pastor? And listen to what this boy told me. Oh, I know what you're thinking, but the Lord's trying to help him quit. This has nothing to do with cigarettes. This has nothing to do with alcohol. This has nothing to do with your particular lust. But that man, I don't know his heart, had trained a generation of kids that God has to really build up this momentum and God's really trying to help him quit. We believe that. Pastor, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me that I'll stop? No. You won't? No. You think I can add something to the shed blood of Jesus Christ for you? And if I'm the one that can help you with the tipping point, you're going to come back to me when you struggle. Christ in you, the hope of glory, all strength, all power, all deliverance, all victory is in Christ and Christ alone. You're not going to be completely free until you stop unbelieving and believe the truth. 
You mean I can just walk out? Absolutely. And I, I, I've touched this before and I've explained it before. But we love to glamorize our issues. Ours are different. And my bondage, my unforgiveness is justified. And you don't know. And I was born with this. I'm missing this thing in me. And I, that's why I'm more prone to alcohol or drugs. And I, I'm missing all these things. And I have a reason. I, I have a reason. The Bible says that your temptation, your weakness, that's just common to man. It's just common. No, no, this is different. No, it's common. It's common. I hear Jesus in front of the church, like not audibly, but just saying, just come on. See, we love to sing about Lazarus come forth. Y'all saw I've been playing that for a couple weeks. We love to talk about that. Jesus did the work, but Lazarus did the walking. Lazarus couldn't raise himself from the dead, but once he did raise him from the dead, Jesus didn't walk for him. And then he told him to untie this man. Stop. If I brought you out, get out. Come on. Number two, you're not going to be completely free until you're willing. Yes, God gives us freedom willingly. But we must fight to experientially live it out. Willing to make the changes necessary to enter into freedom. Willing to believe. Willing to repent for the compromise, the carnality, the cowardice, the lies, and the indifference. One of the reasons we won't come altogether free is we won't call a spade a spade. We won't say, I did this. I sinned against you. I opened that door again. I reconnected with that relationship. I did this. I chose this. I was powerful enough to avoid it. And now I'm seemingly powerless to break it. But I want you to know, Lord, that this is on me. Not, I asked the Lord to take it away from me and he wouldn't. So that puts the blame of, my failure and your failure on the Lord. Yeah, because he wouldn't help me. How many of you either said, don't answer, said it or heard it? The, the ignorance. I asked the Lord to help me, but he wouldn't. Maybe I won't eat for two weeks and see if he'll help me. We've been duped. We are the elephant with the chain around our leg. And don't realize what we've got in God. Willing to obey. Willing to stop making excuses. You're not going to be completely free until you're willing to obey the word of God and stop making excuses. If we, and I'm not telling you what yours are. Listen, I'm preaching to myself this morning. The man or woman that's good at making excuses is rarely good at anything else. Man, if you knew the Word of God as clearly as you knew your excuses, if you spoke the Word of God as often as you spoke your excuses, and God grant us two or three friends in our life, if you've got one, you don't know how precious it is that will call you out on your excuses. Oh, we want everybody just to love us and like us on Facebook. You need a girlfriend that will tell you, Girl, you know better than that. I don't like, I wouldn't date nobody like that. And all of a sudden, well, you know, stop. You know what you're doing? What? No. Ah! Ah! Well, I had a dream, and I was on a dock, and I caught a fish. And no, quit it. You and your dream. You didn't pull that joke up and realize it was a barracuda or a piranha. You need to finish that dream out. <laughs> Teeth in that fish. 
I wish I had the oratory ability or the vocabulary to say this in a more powerful way. I'm, so I just offer it and, and the little bit of education I have. Just stop. Just stop making excuses. If you stop making excuses, ain't nothing left but the truth. And if you know the truth, that can make you free. That can point you to freedom. Can't tell you how many times shackles have broken my life by seeing it in the Bible and dropping to one knee. Just seeing it and saying, that's me, oh Lord. That's not their fault. That's me, oh Lord. That's me, and I ask you to forgive me. It's what I love about King David. Morally, he was a worse person than King Saul, but David knew how to repent. And when David who slept with another man's wife and murdered the husband to get away with it. That's, that's evil. When he was confronted, here's what he said. Against you only and you only have I sinned, O Lord. He didn't blame Saul. He didn't blame Bathsheba. He didn't blame, he said, it's me, O God. You're not going to change until you're, you're not going to be free until you're willing. Willing to break all ties and connectors. I don't know who needs to write that down. Need to, you need to break all ties and connectors to your former lust, patterns, and associations. And distance yourself from the familiar, popular, and convenient. And set up boundaries. That's a mouthful, but I'll say it again. Willing to break all ties and connectors to your lust, your patterns, patterns of failure, patterns of bondage, and associations. And distance yourself. And then set up boundaries. Very, very familiar to you, but I say it all the time because people that visit our church don't know this. But I, I was drunk four or five nights a week for six or seven years in the 80s. And when I came to Christ, he made me free. Man, I, I, I experienced the Damascus Road, light from heaven, you know, demonized one day, born again the next day. But I knew me. If you know the truth about yourself... And you know the truth about God. That's all you have to have. And I said, I know I'm free, but I know I'm a fool too. And I did not even go in a restaurant that served alcohol for almost a year and a half. Oh, that's legalism. No, that's smart. I just figured it would be very hard to drink in a restaurant, which was my common thing. I, clubs weren't really mine. You know, you can't see nobody and it smells bad. And if you got to turn the lights off everywhere, you hiding something. I just, I just, that wasn't my thing. Yeah. Whew. And you turn the lights on that place and, oh, that's why that sticks. Oh, okay. Yeah, bad. Let's just let y'all know I'm really, I've lived where I'm telling you that I live. But I didn't go in a restaurant. I had a Christian tell me one time, God would not require that of you. I said, you are right, but I'm requiring it of me. Because I not only want to be free, I want to stay free. And then one day I told the group of people we were going to lunch with, I said, let's go to Texas Cattle Company and get a, a roast beef sandwich. One of them said, are you sure? I said, yep. Because it had no power, no control. And so now I'm free to go in anywhere. And I'm free not to go in. And did you know this white-headed preacher up here? There's seasons in my life where quit looks 
I don't go to those restaurants during those seasons by myself. <gasps> Pastor, how else do you think victory happens? Know yourself and know the Word of God. Why would I want to be around the person, the place, or the thing in my times of weakness? If you want to be completely free, you've got to be completely honest. And distance. <laughs> oh, I mean, willpower is okay. But it only works till it doesn't. You can put that on your refrigerator. I wrote that. <laughs> willpower only works until it doesn't. But distance is powerful. There's a 0% chance I'll get shot in Atlanta today. For one reason, because you're a noble man and you know the scriptures and you pray and you pray. Nope, I'm not in Atlanta. I told y'all, y'all got a deep preacher, see? Y'all got one of these profound guys that just knows how to pontificate certain variables. and just. I'm not in Atlanta. And some of you said, God, why won't you? Why won't you? Why won't you? He said, because you're too close. He that would not fall should not walk in slippery places. Those of us that chuckle know what we're talking about. You got to be willing to take off your grave clothes. I'm not going to make a sermon out of this, but there's a sermon in it. When God called Lazarus out of the ground, Lazarus, come forth. God did the working. Lazarus did the walking. And the first thing he said is, get out of those clothes. Take off everything that associates itself with death. Take it off. If God sets you free from an alternative lifestyle, stop switching. Stop. And I'm not picking on you. If God sets me free from my perverse background and my sexual immorality, stop objectifying women and looking at Stop. Stop. If God sets you free, stop watching the shows that tend to produce and show you the things that you're coming out of. Stop. Take off the grave clothes. Do you, oh, I'm going to get letters here. Please send them to chris at christchapelmakingga.org. That's the fastest way to get them to me. Do you know how silly you and they look? Yeah, I said it on your Facebook. You, like me, you're 60, and you're standing there with your cup of beer, and your Leonard Skinner shirt on because all of y'all going to see it like you did in high school. And you're like, the first picture of you is when you're young and all of you didn't wash your hair and it was long and greasy down the back. You know, and the girls parted theirs in the middle and all the guys. And we're going to recreate. Now, I don't have anybody in my mind, so don't think I'm targeting anyone. It's rampant all over Facebook. Why are you glory in grave clothes? I'm just asking. Just stirring. Just provoking you to good works because you don't think they stink anymore and you don't associate them with the life that Christ saved you from? No, I'm not going to sign your Facebook. But if you could go to one concert that you used to go to, I can't go to those no more. Have you read the lyrics on those albums? Young people say, what's the album? What's, 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 have you read the lyrics? It's mental illness set to music. You know why we're not free? Because we still got all our grave clothes in the closet and we can whip them out at any time.
And I'm not talking about clothes. If it's truth, it's truth. Why, why would I want to why would I want to relive that which I crown Sunday and say, God saved me from it? Maybe that's why we're not completely free. Why is it that good Pharisees like you and I, why is it we only play the music that we used to play when we're struggling? Because it's familiar. It's convenient. It's like the, the people of God in, in, in the wilderness when things were tough. The wilderness. No beauty. <laughs> it was just the wilderness. Oh, we miss the leeks and the onions. Hmm. So this is the place where they beat y'all with rods and sticks and leather straps. Yeah, but they had great onions. Do you realize when you put it that way, do you realize how stupid we can be? The leeks and the they had green peppers, they were the cutest little peppers. But didn't they take your children, rape your daughters, and abuse your sons? But the onions, you see? There's got to come a day where we just break the ties and the associations and we say, yeah, that was my style, but that, that's not who I am today. Those clothes don't fit no more. And the ones that fit don't smell good. Not wearing them. Just throw that out there for you. Willing to suffer. We're not completely free because we're not willing to suffer. Somehow we got it in our mind that if Christ has made us free, that it's going to be painless. It really is. It's a hang up. People say, well, I must be doing something wrong. Like you're not going to have withdrawals because Christ made you free. The denial of your flesh is the withdrawal. It's not the bondage. It's the you telling yourself no. See, your flesh thinks it's God. Go to bed. Yes. Get up. Yes. Eat this. Yes. Eat it again. Well, if you insist. Yes. And then your flesh says, I want this. Watch. Or this person. And you say, no. What do you mean no? I'm God in this house. That's where the conflict comes in. And we've not learned that to practice. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, the first thing you have to learn is self-denial. If you're going to follow me, deny yourself. Deny yourself. And we're not willing to suffer. For those of you, I alluded to cigarettes. I'll hit them one more time. When you come off of and Christ gave you the power to come off of them, it don't mean you didn't suffer. You ate $1,700 worth of peppermint. Turned your TT red. You didn't know what was going on. You're like, I am... See, your pastors lived a few days. When you stop catering to your flesh, your flesh screams. And you have to suffer. You have to deny yourself. You have to go through the withdrawals when you learn to tame your tongue and be swift to hear and slow to speak. And you know that you'll give an account for every idle word. And when you start taming your tongue, you get irritable. because you're, It's not because you're not talking. Your flesh isn't getting its way. How do you know if something's the flesh? It's always now. I don't know if this is my flesh or not. If it's now, it's the flesh. No man wakes up like today, this morning, and goes, praise the Lord, it's Sunday. I think Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock I'm going to eat a rack of ribs. It's now. 
I'm going to have that person now. I'm going to satisfy myself sexually now. I'm going to do this now. And we're not completely free because we're not willing to suffer. So, Pastor John, how do I learn? Start denying yourself. Can I give you just a couple of tools that I used and have used in the past? For me, a big one was, is food. And if I'm fasting and you know, you're not eating, or even before you're, you're, you know, you're fasting to discipline your body, you can insult your body in several ways. Like you just, it's not often, but does anybody else besides me, this is not rhetorical, have true cravings. My girl Lauren has chocolate cravings. I can hear her in the room beside us. Just, she goes, oh, chocolate. I go, oh. You can hear it. You can hear it in the office. Just new office things. But you have to have just real cravings. I'm real cravings. Like when a man wants, I want some meat. I like want all you can eat, chicken or, you know, uh, brisket or something. And then you just go and get a, a, a What's the name of that little biscuit? B-E-V, what is it? Bevita. And you go to a piece of Bevita balsa bread or whatever, and you eat it instead. The man's stomach will go, what are you doing up in here? There's a, there's a clash of wheels, and you break off that piece of plaster of Paris, and you go, this is what I'm eating. No! I'm making it funny so the medicine will go down. That's the reason we're not free. We won't even suffer over a biscuit. A little piece of bread, much less the big things in life. If you haven't told yourself no on a consistent basis, how are you going to say it on the big things? you got to learn to do without. That's why fasting is important. Because fasting, food is a natural craving. It's not sinful. It's natural. And Jesus teaches us to fast and about fasting often where you tell your body no for that period of four or five hours. No, you're not having anything. And I'm going to commune with God and break down the flesh's control, my flesh control in my body. And finally on number two, until you're willing to endure temptation. So Jesus, would you think that Jesus was free? I mean, he was all man, but he was also all God. But he was in, you remember as he walked the earth? And the Bible says that he was in the wilderness and he had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights and the devil came and tempted him. You have to endure temptation to be free. And if the Son of God can be tempted, you know you need night classes. You know we do. You got to endure temptation. You got to say no and say no again. And, so, and you have to say no when the devil or the world offers you the very thing you want. If a man hasn't eaten for 40 days and he's offered bread, he said, no, because I don't live by satisfying my body alone, bread alone. But I live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Believer, you're as strong today as you want to be. Number three. You're not going to be completely free until you want to be. Not willing to settle for anything else. There's a story in the Bible very quickly in John 5 that's got some irony in it to where Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda and there's a man that's been there 38 years. 38 years of laying on a concrete slab 
waiting for water to be troubled. Not three years, not eight years. 38 years. And Jesus asked him, to me it seemed like on the surface a very silly question. If our musician would come, please. He said, do you want to be made well? What? Do you want to be whole? I think the original word was whole. Do you, do you want to be made whole? Well, that's a silly question. And may I just interrupt and say what I know is there based on other renderings of the Word of God and our own experience? I can hear Jesus intrude on our thoughts and say, no, it's not a silly question. Because if this man is made whole, he's got to get up and move. If this man is made whole, he's got to go home to his wife and children. If this man is made whole, he's got to become accountable, responsible, and make good on past debts and things that his, he had accrued or his wife has accrued. And he's got to work to pay them back. He's got to rebuild relationships. He's got to go and further himself. He's got to position himself to be a provider, a protector for his family. Are you sure you want to be made whole? Excuse me. Are you sure you want to be made whole? And then he said, sir, I don't have anybody. That's your problem. You are looking to people instead of Christ. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be completely free? Jesus looked at him. Please forgive me. And he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man jumped up, picked up his bed, and began to leave. Before Jesus freed him, his back was on his bed. And after Jesus freed him, his bed was on his back. Change. The signature, the signature, you need to write this down, the signature of the Christian is new life and freedom. New life and freedom. Jesus said, pick up your bed and walk. So if he walks, stay with me just a minute more. We're almost done. So if he picks up his bed, he's at the pool of Bethesda and he walks. What does he walk away from? The pool. The conversation at the pool will kill you. Lame people talk about lame things. It doesn't mean you're better than them. It means you got to get yourself together if you want to come back and help them. Walk. Show people that you're different. Changed. Come out. A 38-year habit. And when Jesus told him to get up, did he have to go through any kind of therapy to get up? Just get up. Did he have issues after he got up? Oh, yeah. He still had to work on some things. But he had the power to get up. And you're not going to be completely free until you want to be. Until you choose to be. And finally, you're not going to be free until you fill the void. Turn in your Bible, if you will. And guys, could you put this on the screen for us? Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. 
Matthew 12, 43. It's on the screens for you here as well. Now don't read ahead if you will. Just look this way and we're going to read this together. Jesus is teaching about the nation of Israel here. And how he comes and sets them up and gives them a new start. And they don't fill their life with God and they backslide. But it also uses the analogy of a person. So Jesus takes the reality of a man's personal experience to teach a national lesson about Israel. But the national level uh, lesson about Israel does not do away with the personal example of the man. You follow me? So now look. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places. Who walketh through dry places? The spirit, the unclean spirit. Seeking rest and finding none. Then he says, so who says? The unclean spirit. I will return unto my house that's the confidence of the devil from whence I came out and when he's come he finds it empty swept and garnished so he goeth and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they go back and enter and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first then Jesus applies it to the Jews and said, Even so shall it be with this wicked generation. Now look this way. This is going to be the turning point for some of you because you're seeing it in God's Word and there's faith now. There's revelation, okay? Jesus said in His Word, I, I, I did it for you. And we cleaned your house up and we cleaned your house out. We scrubbed floors, we scrubbed walls, we did windows, we treated mold. We got this place tight and right. And you never filled your house with me. You weren't doing all that you used to do. And what happened is that spirit came back and found a house now with more room and less God and brought seven other spirits more wicked. And that, to me, is what happens in the life of the believer when they can't pinpoint what's going on. They just know they don't have control. It's like it's just like a static. It's like there's just something going on all the time. I'm powerless. But you can have an exorcism all by yourself. You can stand in the house that those spirits claim is theirs and say, this house was paid for by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And I command you, in the name of Jesus, to get out of my life, to get out of my mind, to get out of my body, to get out of my children, to get out of our marriage. I command you, I take authority over this, not because I'm strong, but in the name of Jesus. Because if the Son made me free, then I am free indeed. And in the power of that, the Bible says, imagine the frailest woman you can think of or the youngest child or the most broken man. When he says the name Jesus, the joints of the demon, the Bible says, tremble. <laughs> That's literal. Demons tremble. Don't, don't, don't bring him into it. Don't, don't, don't. Just, you, 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 come, you, you do battle with him. No, no, he made me free. You want to tangle with him? 
I just wonder today, with no hype or fanfare, if there's anybody in this room that says, I just want to be completely free. And Lord, I'm taking you on your promise. Can you imagine Jesus' hand saying, Lazarus, come forth. And he's calling your name saying, come on, let's do this. You don't need Pastor John's prayer. You just need the word of God. If that's you today, simply, I want you to come stand. See, that assaults your pride. That assaults your, they, it, well, what's he going down for? None of your business. And it don't matter what you think. But when the water's troubled right now for you, and you can just walk out of it. If that's you, you ain't got to have it all figured out. You just, I heard this morning that I am free in Christ. I am free indeed. And on basis of that word, I'm responding. If that's you, I want you to come. And we're going to pray for you and dismiss this morning. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. God bless you this morning. God bless you. Anybody else entangled again on that which they came out of before? Come on. If the Son has made you free, you're free indeed. Isn't that what the book says? Anyone else? Glory to God. Glory to God. Could I just have a lady come stand with each lady and a guy with each guy? And don't overpower their prayer. Just say, I've been there and his word is true for you. Yes, Lord. His word's true for you. Glory. Now those in the altar, it won't take but a moment. I want you in your words. Say it loud enough for you to hear yourself and say, Lord, I believe this about you. You set me free. Lord, I believe your word. That's all I got. I'm taking you at your word. Jesus, Lord of glory. And you said I'd know the truth. And this truth would set me free. And the truth is I am free. All I got to do is jerk that leg and pull that stake up. Free in you, Lord. Free in you, Lord. family, would you stand with us? Those in the altar, if you'd give me your attention for just a quick moment more. And, and, and know when I tell you this, I'm not grouping everybody together and saying this is how it is everywhere. But in the early years of my faith, you were kind of taught consciously or unconsciously that everything happens under the hand of a man. We got this special evangelist coming. You got to come. You got to come because, you know, John's going to be here or Fred's going to be here. You, you got to come. And indirectly, it taught me that I needed them. And you can benefit 
from the office of a minister or a pastor, but you don't need them in the moment. You see what I'm saying? The Lord will use them to help raise you, but anything to do with your life and your liberty and your soul, Christ is sufficient. You don't need to come under Pastor John's hand. There's people in this altar this morning you read. Well, he said, I'm, he said, I was saved, so I'm saved. He said, I'm free. And he said, Pastor John, thank you, but no thank you. I'm good. And the devil said, where are you going? He pulled a stake at me. I'm leaving. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And guess who gets the glory? Every time you walk in that freedom, you're in the car worshiping. Keep one hand on the wheel, please, at all times. And you, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I may not be all I'm supposed to be, but I ain't who I was. And I am free. And save that chain for a keychain. Every time the devil starts to remind you, I, I don't know about these chips they give out. I'd have a 36-year chip. And you just swing it at him. Say, so where is your power? Where is your power? The only bondage I have is the bondage I choose. Because if the Son makes me free, I'm free indeed. Pastor Chris, will you come pray over us? Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I, I want to say one thing, and that's God knows how to give some good free stuff. I mean, I, let me tell you, I just got to say real quick, I, I went somewhere and they gave me a Frisbee one time for free. And I was like, thank you, that's nice. Thank you. <laughs> but when you need something and somebody gives you what you need, that's the best kind of free. And that's what God's doing for you guys right down here. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your word. Lord God, what I ask is that you take our hands, Lord God. Walk us through this life so that we can know that every breath we take, every step we make, Lord God, is directed by you. Lord God, we love you. We thank you in advance for the miracles, for the amazing things that we can testify from today. Lord God, I love you, and I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.